Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a stomp with a guest to take a wander into their life. I'm so excited to be speaking with Sam Warburton, OBE, on the podcast today. Sam is a well-respected former professional rugby player who led as captain of both the Welsh national team and the British and Irish Lions. In 2017, after the tour in New Zealand, Sam underwent neck and back surgery, which he was unable to fully recover from, forcing him to make the difficult decision to retire from professional rugby at the age of 29. Sam is now a columnist for The Times, a member of the BT Sport and BBC Sport coverage teams, and is also a Sunday Times best-selling author of his book, Open Side. Hey, Sam. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots more to come. What a beautiful place we're in. Oh, it's nice. It's, um, it's local to my home and it's quite, from a family perspective, my family have been coming here for years as well and with a dog, um, I find it's just, you know, it's like a therapy for me yeah. just to get out and walk, you know. So every day, religiously, get out once, at least once, probably twice a day. This is one of my favourite walks. It's just a lovely, peaceful place to go for a wander. And for anyone who wants to come and have a wander, you have to hear this podcast. Where are we? We're in, uh, it's a place called Kevin-on-Park, and it's in North Cardiff, um, in sort of that thornhill Vane kind of boundary. And it's like just a really well-preserved, kind of not like a nature park, but it's probably about, it's not huge, maybe six, seven, eight acres. So it's yeah. big, but it's confined. It's well looked after from sort of local councils. And it is, it's beautiful in the spring and they do a lot of work to maintain it. So it's just, you'll see a lot of dog walkers here. Yeah. Great for your kids, nice smooth yeah. uh, paths for your scooters and bikes. So a really nice place for the family and dog walkers to come. You've set the scene very nicely. It is, it's very green. We've got some very old, very tall trees. Some of these trees are almost as tall as you, Sam. And <laughs> You're some of them are almost as big. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's really beautiful. It's very green. It's it's a lovely, quiet space. We're actually very near to Main Road, but you, you almost like drifts away into the background, doesn't it, as we're going into this park. Exactly it's, exactly. it's really, really nice. We've got a pup with us today, haven't we? Well, not a pup, he's eight now, right? <laughs> yeah, so this is Ledley. He's my dog. And do you know what? He's a Ladders. Yeah, le- it is. Yeah, Ladders. That's what That's we call him. Holly. Holly's with the camera here. We call her Ladders. She doesn't like it, but we call <laughs> her Ladders. Why do you call her Ladders? Holly Ladley. Oh, really? Ladders. Does anyone else call you Ladders, Holly? 
No, <laughs> she's saying no, everyone. But we are out on a wander. Let, uh, Ladders is having a great time. Is he, does he enjoy getting out here? He Must. loves it. And he's, uh, he's eight now. And if people are thinking why he's called Ledley, we name him after football players. And I'm a big Tottenham Hotspur yeah, fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like a, an unwritten rule to name our dogs after Tottenham players. So my, when I said our oh, Ledley, he's like my all-time hero, this player, Ledley King. Wife didn't like the name Ledley, and she's like scrolling all through Wikipedia and the yeah. Tottenham books. Like, oh, why do we call it this Ledley or this? King, I remember. And, and what about any Harry Canes in the family? Yet? So Harry was an option, but I got a cousin, a nephew uh, called Harry, so we couldn't do that because it would uh, be way too confusing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, we got about six or seven over the years, and some are still alive, some have passed. But Tottenham players—that's just like the number. It's the only one time in my relationship that I put my foot down because obviously the, the wife is the boss um, there's only one time I put my foot down on it but he's got to be named after Ledley King you know well, I so. think I think it's a it's a love it's a lovely name thank indeed. you thank you so how long have you been coming here for then a few years uh you know, my, my grandma who passed when I was five uh, she used to love it up here I remember my mum telling me that when I was young so I've been coming here I'm 33 I've been coming here since I was probably since I can remember really just come up with a family go for a wander every now and then and now I've got a dog of myself um it's only as the crow flies you know two miles from my house but I, I say this to people all the time just about getting out you know and I guess we'll come on to it with the, the mental health aspect yeah. but that's kind of like you know when like as, as adults or human you have a you have an argument and or you're finding something stressful and you go oh, I'm going out for a walk yeah. But that's just like your primal yeah, way without yeah. realising of just getting out yeah. and de-stressing. So I find just going for an hour's dog walk in the morning, I normally put him out again for half an hour in the afternoon, depending on the work and stuff. It just sets me up. It's, it's, it's so good for me. So um, I just find I just calm down. Like now we've sort of, you know, the, the M4 is going yeah. now. And you sort of just, oh, I sound like a really old man. No, no, but you, you don't. I'm I guess with you. you you're... Um, you would have seen this a lot of times, you know, with, with, with your job and your work. And I, through rugby, didn't realise these things would happen. But you do a lot of charity stuff. And you see people who are, like, really um, underprivileged or been dealt really cruel hand from a health perspective. And, like, some of these people are the worst you could imagine. So, like, it sounds really deep now. We're going quite deep. But when I'm walking through places like this, say if it started raining, I'm like... And some people might go, oh, it's raining. I've got to go back and dog's going to get wet. But I'm, I, I kind of think... I'm always like glass half full, half full. And I kind of think, imagine somebody was terminal and they were, their days are numbered and they're, they're in bed at night, staring into the abyss, not knowing what's next. And you said to them, oh, you can actually have the luxury of not knowing and you can go for a walk and let the rain hit you for another time. And I think when you're like stressed out and you know, you're in your own little bubble sometimes. And of course we all get stressed out over some of the most trivial things, but sometimes you just need to like put yourself out of your bubble gain a bit of perspective and, and you appreciate the small things so much more. Maybe COVID accelerated that for some people. They realise the things like this in life are the things that you just cannot put a price on. But going for a walk somewhere like this for me is just like one of the things I have to do. You know, even before I got a dog, I noticed, I say to my wife, I want to just go for a walk, you know. And interestingly, I, I work with a sports psychologist, like a mental skills coach. She does a lot. And he told me a study they did, which you might have um, come across this. I'm pretty sure it was in the uh, UK and there was a lot of, um, they did an experiment on like life surgeons, um, life-saving surgery. And obviously like these guys are operating at extremely high pressure, yeah. way higher than anything I've experienced as a professional sportsman. And halfway through the day, they put them into this room where it's noises like this. They had, it was all green. There was plants in there. They put scent of sort of outdoor bird noises, nature. And they sat in there with no electronic interference no phones no tvs for half an hour and um they looked at all the 
indicators for stress and they just plummeted right yeah. down because and he said because humans of this world we're living in not right here you know in the city where we're full of concrete is an absolute fraction of what we've come from we've grown up in greenery and, and like this we said you don't realize but subconsciously when you're walking through a woodland like this and you see the green and trees are going past you you've seen the shapes of leaves and things subconsciously all these things are calming you down yeah. but we don't realize this no. as people but that's why people go i'm going out for a walk because that's just your that's your instinctive way of just trying to calm down but you don't realize it so i think people who do go on walks they realize the value of it from a health perspective and from a mental perspective as well it's what we're meant to do we're, we're meant to be out in here you know so absolutely essential i get that done well, I think if you look at, um, you know, we've got, we're lucky to have letters here with you now, with us now. And if you look at the lifespan of people with dogs, on the whole, it's longer. And they really? live longer with less morbidity, so less illnesses. Yeah. And it just makes sense. And you get a dog and all of a sudden you're moving more. You're yeah. probably outside more. You're appreciating nature more because the dog might chase a squirrel or <laughs> yeah, look up is. a tree or you're in the book. And all of a sudden you go, oh my God, there's a bumblebee or there's the bird. Oh, look, listen to that noise. And it makes you not only physically move, but it makes you appreciate the world around 100%. you so much more. And I think so much of health, you realise now, is as much that goes up in your head as it is in your body. And that's not just in terms of your mental health, it's in terms of your physical health as well. The choices you make, you know, when you're out walking, you're thinking, when you arrive, you're talking about the environment, yeah. you think about the world around you more yeah. and you feel more yeah. in touch with the, world, no, you do. With, the world, with the world around you. I wonder, I'd love to ask you a little bit about, I guess how you've dealt with the transition of pace of life because we're out walking in a very relaxed space now and chilled but i've been to the six nation i've watched you play <laughs> many many times both on tv and uh, and in the wonderful millennium i call it the millennium it's but still hard not supposed, to not call you're it you're not yeah. supposed to call yeah. it anymore but to me it is millennium. the best stadium in the world it is, it, it is it is better than twickenham sorry <laughs> I, uh, holly again's looking holly lives near twickenham stadium and i can tell you she, she's not very happy with that but it is much better how does that compare you know that life change that you've had now and the what you're doing now compared to those kind of peaks of energy and excitement in the millennium versus you know wandering and enjoying life at maybe a more sensible pace should we yeah. say yeah I love it. So, yeah. you know, people will say, do you miss it? And my answer, my short answer is no, um, not, not at all. Yeah. Um, I love that I did it, but do I miss it? Absolutely not, because I loved it when I did it and I had no regard for my body when I played. I didn't have kids and rugby was my life. But then when you have kids, I've got a six and a two-year-old now and only had a two-year-old when I retired. It just gave me a whole new perspective on life. And I wasn't able to play with her, um, like going on just bouncy castles and carrying up the stairs was like you know I just couldn't do it um I remember thinking that the rewards of um, a long healthy family life didn't outweigh the risk of continuing to play rugby and some people think oh, you're so selfish you know how can you not how can you give up all that playing in front of 75,000 and you know on tv BBC can peak at 10 million people you know when you play in England and how can you give that up and I said well because there's more important things in life and yeah my body took a hammering so I knew it wasn't really probably good for me to keep going I'd be struggling to do this in 20 years time if I carried on playing to my mid-30s I played a very hostile position but this is like this is what I value a bit more and I love the rugby I remember saying to people I'm leaving playing I'm not leaving rugby I'm still working within rugby you know yeah. so that, that's nice I can still scratch that itch but I said yeah but when I was playing when I had those peaks of of pressure well I thought it was pressure I was playing towards the end of my career I managed to manage that much better because you, you kind of have to go through adversity and things to get used to it you've got to go out your comfort zone and then you that's where growth happens you know yeah. when you get used to it 
But then coming up here would be, you know, the first thing I'd do after a game, Sunday morning, go out for a walk and pick somewhere where I'm not going to see someone. I'm not going to pick an area where I'm not going to see people. Not sound unsocial, but I can just escape yeah. and just, you know, be at one out in the outdoors and not have to deal with what goes on on the rugby field or what will eventually happen the week after. So you've got to switch off, you know, you have to be able to switch off from what you're doing. So, yeah, I found the transition really nice. Like people say, well, how do you get your competitive kick now? I'm like, well, I've been competitive for 15 years. Yeah. I'm quite happy yeah. just chilling out right now, to be yeah. honest. I still train like crazy. I think that's just me kind of thinking, because I remember when I retired, I was like, is this it? Am I on this physical decline until death? Because... Well, I can assure you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Standing next to you, you're... I'm, I'm going to try and incline to yours. <laughs> <laughs> because like, when you're, from the age of 14, 15, you're, you're constantly trying to chase perfection and your athletic development nonstop. And you suddenly finish and that's not the goal. But I'm like, well, I can't just let myself wilt away. I still want to be healthy. And it's kind of like fighting life and age. Like, I still want to train. I still want to be strong. Because if I just wilt away, I'm kind of just give. I feel like I'm just giving up, you know? Like, I still want to be able to live, like you said, a long, healthy life. And I'm a bit of a geek. I read a lot of studies and meta-analyses. And they all say, you know, people who train have so much yes. better, like, life well, if longevity. You look, if you look at it, those who, so particularly amongst, we talk about well, men and women, if you look at men with testosterone levels, it peaks towards your late 20s and yeah. early 30s. Yeah. And essentially, the higher your bone density yeah. through resistance training, the higher your muscle mass, the more likely you are to live with a healthy musculoskeletal system. And yeah. that, that ultimately will, will help you to live a, a longer and healthier life. It's very important for women as well. I think sometimes that's, that's misinterpreted that we focus on the male men and testosterone but for women as well like resistance training which obviously is many different forms yeah. keeps those bones strong and ultimately it helps you keep moving keep active and stay alive really. well, like, i'm so glad you've said it because probably that more validates it more coming from your mouth but you know i've read exactly the same stuff and you know even a trivial example and when we're saying weight training we're not talking about power lifting yeah. 500 kilos <laughs> 200 kilo no, squats yeah <laughs> well, we're just talking about just moving external weights where yeah. they're quite light stuff you know but even body like, weight um, as well of yeah course. well my brother's a physiotherapist and he's like people think oh no you don't have to be super strong if you're an elderly person it'll, it'll prevent you from falling over and we often see with elderly people you know sometimes the foot the first fall is kind of the start of the of course the end and so it, it helps on such trivial things like that so i'm a massive advocate for you know health training um because it just improves or gives you a much better chance of having a, a healthier longer more fulfilled life well, if you think about it, I think one of the things in society, which is a massive taboo or actually an important thing, we go, gosh, you must, if an elderly person is standing on the train, you must get up straight away yeah. and give them the seat. Now, I'm not all of a sudden saying that we should stop giving elderly people their seat. However, if you think about it, for that person, if you're on a train that has slight movements and things, and you're standing up, you're actually keeping their balance practice. Yeah, you're helping their is. bones and their muscles. Yeah. And I was told this by a geriatrician, which made me really think about it. It's like, of course, you want to support elderly people and if they need to sit they need to sit but it does make you think a little bit more about well actually you know should we be encouraging people to exercise for longer i.e whatever that means yeah. it might just be out for walks and stomping like we are it might be simple exercises with tin cans but doing stuff to keep that kind of physical strength up for longer in life well just like, say an elderly person see it was my grandparents um just getting up and off just standing up from the chair 10 yeah. times and sitting down and just doing that a few times a day and that's going to promote so much for, yeah. for an elder. We're not talking about them going to the gym, but just using your legs and using your muscles. Because, and you know, protein intake goes down as you get older. Maybe that's because teeth wear away and they don't chew the protein that they need to from a meat source. 
but protein intakes go down as you get older and that sort of that you know high protein intake maintains muscle mass all these things are linked so the more people understand these quite trivial things the much better chance they have of a, of a healthier life you know so it's great that these measures are getting out there to help people now we are enjoying a lovely stomp and we've just been going little short inclines and stuff. I'm not quite out of breath yet, I'm doing all right, but it's so lovely. <laughs> we've got streams, we've got a mixture of everything, little streams walk past a lovely lake and we really feel like going into the jungle now. It's quite thick forestry here. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a tree we can climb across. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> yeah, test, don't worry. Let's it test Holly's balancing more. with the camera. So it's clear that you love stomping and getting out for a walk and you've done it, so it sounds like all of your life, which is, which is amazing. During the time when the pressure's really high, particularly towards the latter part of your professional career. Did you recognise the, the mental health benefits? Did, were you, did you make the kind of connection between the two or was it just like, right, I'm going out for a stress reliever? Or were you kind of aware that, wow, actually, this is really helping me here? Yeah, I was actually coached it, so I feel very lucky. So I remember this national team, we went on a World Cup in 2011 and we had a mental skills coach who was working with a lot of the players. And I don't think the coaches realised how much the players lent to him because it's a bit of a... This whole mental health thing is some people they turn a blind eye to it um but the mental aspect of not just from a mental health but from a preparation sure. point of view in sport i think has been overlooked in the, over the past 20 years but i'd say the last five to ten years players have really and you know embraced it so they, they had to ask the players right we're going to vote on who's going to go on this um we got one more member of staff who can come we can take 20 members of staff it's a lot of staff when you go away and um we can take an extra analyst, video analyst, or we can take, uh, he's called Andy McCann, he's a mental skills coach, sports psychologist. They said, right, hands up for the uh, analyst. And a few people put their hands up. They said, hands up for Andy McCann. And nine of the boys yeah, put their hands up. up. And the coaches were taken back. They said, I didn't realise you were doing anything, Andy. He went, well, that means I'm doing my job then. Because I work under the radar. Yeah. But he taught me so much about, people think that having a, the skills coach is kind of like, I go up to him and go, oh, Andy, I'm, I'm under so much pressure, I can't cope. What do I do? It's things like time management, life skills, how to switch off. So if you went into my house, it would be the worst episode of Through the Keel you've ever seen. Like, <laughs> there is no rugby, nothing. You wouldn't have a clue who lived there. It's just family photos. It wouldn't be portraits, like South portraits everywhere. Then. Oh, mate, I got no jerseys. No topless Somebody shots. asked to do a portrait of me, and I was like, I don't really want to, because it's so narcissistic, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, but when I go home, I'm not Sam, the rugby player. I'm Sam, the dad, the dog owner, the husband, the father. You know, like, that's what I want to be. So when I chat to people... I'm like, you've got to be, I see young kids who live rugby every day, all day. Like, you've got to switch off. Because if you switch off, when you flick that switch back on, you can focus so much yeah. better. You can't live that life all the time. You need to be able to take yourself away from that. And that's what training does for me. Like, the house I'm in now, I walked into the garage, said to my wife, this would be a great gym. She's like, no, it'd be good storage. I was like, no, it'd be a good gym. <laughs> like, that's really the second time. That's the second thing you put your foot that's the second on, time. Yeah. So I got my gym. I think my gym. It's only a garage conversion, but you I got the gym. You don't need a lot, though, do you? You don't need a lot. Even for <laughs> I'm a, a, a professional elite-level so, um, sportsman, you don't yeah, need so too like much. The training and then the dog walking, I'm like, that is kind of... Like, you know about meditation? People think meditation means you have to sit like this. Meditation just kind of just takes you away from the stresses of everyday life, you know? So that could be a dog walk for me. People think, how can that be meditation? But like going into a gym, I see a lot of people on Instagram saying the same thing. Going to a gym for an hour, not talking to anyone, having some music on and working on myself and my, my fitness is, I find it very therapeutic. I'm a much better person for it. But when we're like 
my wife would be like, when, when did you last train? I'd be like, oh, two, three days ago. She'll get in the get gym. Because <laughs> <laughs> she knows I'm a nicer person after it. Um, you seem very nice person now. So either you're actually genuinely lovely, I train like, this which morning. you are, or you train ten times this morning. You look at this morning. Bloke. This would be a horrible interview. No, no, I don't believe that for a second. One of the things I really, really like about you, Sam, is that I mean, I, I've you know, not in the weird way, I've followed you for years. I'm a, I'm a big rugby fan, very proud Welsh man, and and I think one of the things that's been obvious is that you always cared about your family so much. And you, even in 20 minutes of the interview, you mentioned your family so many times. And I think that is a really key component to your kind of mental health as well, isn't yeah. it? Having good people around you. Has that been very important throughout the more difficult times? So you talk about injury. It was a really difficult time with the injury. Yeah. Has that, you know, how important has your family been really in that time? Oh, oh yeah, I couldn't agree more. So like, you know when people have a hard decision to make? It's like, I don't know what to do. Well, no, most of us don't know the answer by ourselves. But when we talk about support networks, it's so good. What, what I do is then, if I say retirement, I don't just wake up and think, I want to retire. I'm going to retire. I ask my wife. I talk to her about my mum and dad. Um, my agent, I'm, I'm very close with. We're, we're basically friends. Andy McCann, who I've mentioned a few times. There might be like four or five people, my twin brother, I speak to, and they might ask you the questions you haven't asked yourself, and they help you get to the answer. They don't tell you what it is, mm. but then after you've had conversations, you figure it out. And having that support network, whether it's about moving to a different club, whether it's about retiring, whether it's you know when you're handling injury, you know starting a family, all, all these things, you don't, you don't often get the answer by yourself, but you get it from your support network. And like my twin brother, people think this is weird, but I bought a house over the road. Like I was in my current house, it was a nice one opposite the road I thought I want that they were selling I bought it my brother said well who's buying your house then I said well I'll put it up for sale he went I'll buy it <laughs> so my <laughs> twin brother family, yeah. yeah a lot my, of people don't know they're a twin by the way oh yeah so a twin yeah. um, and my twin brother bought my house which when I say we are bang opposite I don't mean like a 45 degree angle we are slap bang opposite my sister's half a mile away and so are my parents and my parents live four doors from my in-laws my wife's mum and dad so it's all very I've got 25 family members within the same village That's or mile radius. Though, I think when you're younger, you think, oh, I'm going to get away from mum and dad, I'm yeah. going to my friends. Then as you get older, them. you realise, especially the pandemic, how important your family are. They really are like that foundation. So if you want to build a house, you don't build it on rubbish foundations, yeah. do you? And your family are like the rock, the bedrock, really, that's always yeah. there for you, whether things are difficult, whether the house needs rebuilding, whether there's renovations to be done, they're always yeah. they're there for you, aren't they? It's uh, so important. Yeah, I've heard lots of people... Um, you know, I'm listening to podcasts and they say they, they get the big exit from selling their business and they buy this massive house in the middle of nowhere and they suddenly think, oh, I wish, like, I get, like, the Amazon guy or DPD driver who coincidentally might be a rugby fan and I answer my door. So I live on a fairly normal residential street. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice, but it's not, you know, I don't live in, like, a private gated development or anything like people might expect. I answer the door and they always go, what are you doing? I'm like... <laughs> This is where I live. Oh, I live here, mate. I know. <laughs> I'm like, the school is over there. My yeah. brother's there. Yeah. I, grew, I walked down this road every day to, to school when I was a kid. Like, this, this is home. You know, it's home. So those, that's, you know, I remember going to France to look at the sign in France. I was a player and my wife went, how is it? You know, she was really excited. It obviously would have been three times the pay. Yeah. South of France, you know, Cern Beach. So how is it when I went out there to visit it? And I said, it's not home. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not happy. Like, if... You're going to be much more productive in whatever you do if, if you're happy. Yeah, and I think so as long as I'm happy first, then everything else will fall into place. I knew staying at home would be would be happy. But for the reasons you mentioned, family and that support network, which is vital to me. It's huge. Well, you're a very humble man, but we're going to dig in a little bit more into your kind of career. And I think importantly, mental resilience is something I'd really like to talk to you about. 
and we'll do that. Everyone's enjoying the park here. This is what's great, isn't it, as well? Is people, people laughing. I think they're recognising you, they're Alex, after, actually. I don't think so. Yeah, I think they're recognising <laughs> you. But they're, they're happy and enjoying yes, I, think, yes. I was thinking more they're enjoying nature, but maybe they just spotted us, actually. Oh, they're Love Island fans. They're <laughs> oh, like doctors, so you're oh, in. God. Oh, God. <laughs> so we're coming to the end of part one, but first of all, I think I've got to find out what is in your stomping toolkit? We always ask people this question and we've had different results. I'm guessing, I can probably guess number one is ladders in your stool toolkit. Yeah, because I did go out for walks before having a dog. Um, and I was saying to my wife, I think I'm ready for a dog now because so I'm wanting to go for walks yeah. every day yeah. and I haven't got a dog. So number one is a dog. I, people don't, if you haven't got a dog, they don't understand. No. When a dog goes, it's awful. I've lost, oh. I've lost plenty. So know, yeah. they are such an integral part of the family. When Leds goes, me and my wife would be having food in like our local curry house and we'll be in tears sometimes yeah. talking about the day goes. People are thinking, oh my God, look, there's Sam breaking up with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's worse like, than that. We're not. It's worse yeah. than that. I'm like, I'm like, oh no, we just talked about when our dog probably eventually well, dies. Number one, Ledley. Close um, ears, Ledley, close ears. Oh <laughs> yeah, you've got another few years, <laughs> yeah. man. Hopefully he goes till he's 12. So it'll be Ledley. I say my phone, which sound, kind of sounds a bit counterproductive because you want to sort of be in nature. Half the time I deliberately choose say like this I'm just out yeah. and I'm not listening but sometimes I do find it's quite a good tool to I like listening to podcasts yeah. um, not so much music because music kind of I find a bit more motivational I sort of associate that with training and, and getting in that mindset but I quite like listening to podcasts um, the you, you learn you learn a lot and yeah your podcast because <laughs> you learn a lot and you can learn a lot from other people and I don't know I find you quite receptive to information when you're sort of like this and you take all the distractions away and you mentioned a run, it is true. These are my walking trainers. Um, so like, I have to be, so I'm staffed, I have to be comfortable. You know, even if you're walking and you're worrying about potential blister or something like that, I wear the same clothes almost on every walk. Well, it ruins the walk. If you, as soon as I've ever had it before, and you, you know when you, do you know what happens? When you go to an event you haven't been to for a long time, you know, you know especially with COVID, not being, I haven't been wearing shoes for a long time, so I rubbed my heel, and then the next yeah. time I went out for a stomp, looking forward to it, my heel was rubbing as the shoes. <laughs> yeah. But you can't enjoy it, It can ruins you? it, it ruins it. So comfort as well. Maybe that's something, sounds quite trivial, but playing rugby, it's always been the same, whether it's your boots, your trainers. What boots did you wear? Were you a Predators man? I, when I was playing, I was, a, I was an Addy guy, yeah, when yeah. I was playing, and I'm, I'm Canterbury now, but yeah, I sort of, I get the same trainers. And they're just my walking daps. So, yeah, people might want to go out and look good. I'm like, I... Comfort I, is king. Mate, I'm a kind of... You're a black t-shirt <laughs> like me. I'm a round neck t-shirt, well, yeah, shorts, same. and... I'm just lacking the biceps, kind of guy. sadly, but... Uh, <laughs> we're all living <laughs> On that note, we're coming to the end of part one. In part two, we're going to talk more about resilience and who Sam's support network was when going through difficult times. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode with me and Sam. If you're not finished stomping yet, Make sure you go and listen to part two now. We'll come back to catch up on tomorrow's stomp. See you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse. 
Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.